thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. The Real Food Real is a fresh and educational podcast dedicated to your health. We get real on current research, debunk food myths, and educate you on how to just eat real food. Your host, Steph Lowe, the natural nutritionist, is one of Australia's leading sports nutritionists, passionate about simplifying nutrition and addicted to coconut lattes, smoothies, and sweet potato. If you love the show, then please leave us a review on iTunes. Share the real food real with your friends and continue to spread the real food love. Hi team and welcome back to another episode of The Real Food Real. Today on the show we are joined by Casey Wilson who is an Adelaide-based naturopath whose mission is to educate women to take control of their health and experience balanced hormones, thriving digestion and vibrant health. Let's get straight into it today. Hi Casey and welcome to the show. Hi Steph, thank you so much for having me today. Excellent, it's great to have you on the show. So Give us a little bit of background for context, um, whatever you feel comfortable with in terms of sharing a little bit about your story and how you got to where you are today. Yeah, sure. Well, um, I going right back, I grew up on Kangaroo Island, so I had an amazing childhood, grew up on a, a cattle farm over there. Um, but then I hit my teens and, and hit a party girl scene, basically, a lot of binge drinking, not fueling my body with um, great foods, a lot of late nights and um, to top it off, I was on the oral contraceptive pill from a young age. So it took a couple of years but basically I developed a very chronic um, candida overgrowth, a lot of gut issues that went hand in hand with that and eventually some adrenal gland fatigue um, problems in there too. So I wasn't getting the answers. Like I was seeing the the GP, they were were just giving me scripts and, you know, not even looking at my diet, my lifestyle and um, being on the pill as well. And so I kind of got um, to the stage where I completed year 12 and I was really not comfortable with where my health was at and started doing a little bit of my own research. That led me into nutrition and naturopathy, and I delved straight into to studying. So um, after going through sort of the learning of, of the studies and understanding what I was doing to my body, um, yeah, I basically over, overcame my health challenges and then developed a real passion for, for women's health, particularly in hormones and gut health. So, yeah, that's where my, my real specialty and passion is today, and, and that led to writing my book last year. Oh, beautiful. So we'll definitely dive into to yeah. more of that. But I just love that, you know, it is that personal experience that um, I think is a really big part of the journey, but um, I'm sure you'll agree. It really does allow you to be that, that um, I don't know, almost like a better practitioner because you can obviously really relate with your audience, with your clients, and, you know, obviously part of your journey can really help their own healing journey. Yeah, absolutely. Once you've been through it yourself and, you know, you, you trial a few things and you do tests on yourself and, mm. yeah, you really do understand it a lot better. Yeah. Yeah, beautiful. Oh, thank you for sharing that part of your story with us. So today's topic, um, we wanted to explore the link between hormones and gut health. And, you know, while I know your um, passion is in women's health, we do have, you know, um, a male audience as well. And, of course, they need to know about um, female hormones just for the sake of their relationships, if anything else. But I'm, I'm sure we can um, we can share some um, tips for our male audience as well. Yeah. Um, but let's set the scene with um, a little bit of a, a 101, I suppose, on what role hormones play in a woman's body. 
Mm, sure. Well, basically hormones are really important chemical messengers. So they get sent out from our endocrine glands in the body. So that starts with the hypothalamus in the brain, the pituitary gland in the brain and the pineal gland in the brain. Um, then there's other endocrine glands throughout the body like our thymus, our pancreas, our thyroid, adrenal glands and for the women ovaries for men testes. So basically those chemical messengers, the hormones get sent to target tissues and organs throughout the body and that gives off certain functions. So what I like to do for women is sort of take them through an everyday scenario to understand how that connects back to to um, their everyday life. So let's just say that they're a cycling woman, so they're premenopausal, they're still having their period. Um, so they wake up rested and refreshed on a morning that's two days out from their period. They're excited for the day. They're motivated to, to get going. Um, let's say they get up and they wash their face and they've got a beautiful, clear, glowing flat face um, and a luscious head of hair when they look in the mirror. They look down, they're bloat-free, they get dressed and I notice that their breasts aren't two sizes bigger than they were two weeks ago and they don't have any tenderness or pain. Uh, once they get dressed, they feel comfortable. They're not, not feeling really bloated. Um, and over the day, hunger levels, you're, you're hungry, hungry enough for, say, two, maybe three main meals, but not ravenous in between, and then they feel quite satiated after eating. Um, over the day with energy, there's a steady supply of, of that energy and not requiring those stimulants, say, 3.30 p.m., that energy drink or coffee or chocolate or sweets. But once they reach the end of the day, You've still got enough energy um, to, you know, spend with your loved ones but feeling relaxed enough um, to enjoy that quality time. So all of those things that I kind of mentioned there, that relates back to the hormones. So things like your energy, your moods, your motivation, cycles, um, skin health, hair health, hunger and weight. Um, but it is important to understand too that the hormones, we can't just look at one hormone and say, okay, well, you've got low estrogen or high estrogen and that's what you need to do they're all very connected um, the, the endocrine system is very complex so uh, for example we can't look at addressing your adrenal gland health without supporting your blood sugars and mm. becoming sensitive to your insulin um, we can't support the thyroid gland without looking at those um, nurturing those adrenal glands and we can't look at your sex hormones like estrogen without taking into account the thyroid and, and looking at your stress levels as well in the body so it's all very complex yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so that's a good little summary. But um, obviously the scenario, I don't know if um, you made that up, but obviously I don't think a lot of people live like that, unfortunately. So that sounds like the ideal world and definitely something to strive for and hopefully you can give us some tips on how we can create that beautiful environment. Um, absolutely. But, yeah, yeah what is what are some of the reasons um, as to why we may not be feeling that perfect scenario and um, how does leaky gut play a role here? Yeah, well, as, as a naturopath and I'm mm. sure as a nutritionist as well, we kind of focus a lot on liver health for hormones because mm. that's where, where our hormones are metabolised. But we need to go back a step. We really need to look at what affects the liver in the first place and that's where the gut plays plays a role because there's that direct correlation between poor gut health and liver stress and because the liver plays that major role in metabolizing or basically processing your hormones 
so they can be safely eliminated from your body. If that liver's overworked, then that can impact our whole hormone um, balance in the body. Mm. So specifically looking at um, leaky gut, so that's where, you know, there's holes in that, that small intestinal wall and more waste products like uh, undigested food, uh, bacteria, bacterial products, um, which are also known as lipopolysaccharides. They basically get into the bloodstream. And what has to filter that? the liver does so the liver's basically more stressed and when the liver's more stressed then that can can contribute to those hormone imbalance symptoms so we need to really work on both the liver and the gut um, so basically in, in the liver there's you know two phases that we need to support there's phase one and phase two and that that will allow us to sort of package up our, our excess hormones from the body so you know we need to use so many so and a certain amount and then the rest needs to be eliminated safely so the liver goes through those two phases and then it prepares them into water-soluble molecules so then they can leave the liver circulate into the the gut and then we can safely excrete them from the body so that's why we need to look at at the gut health yeah absolutely and we'll move on to some tips and tricks um Mm. shortly but um so obviously gut health and liver health are the priorities from a hormonal health point of view. Um, what about the role of inflammation intertwined in that? Mm, yeah, well, we also um, need to look at the the microbiome, but particularly the the inflammation. Like, there's a big vicious cycle going on. Mm. So, I'm a believer in getting your blood sugars balanced, your cells responding to insulin, leptin, and having the gut functioning properly to be able to reduce any inflammation. And the reason why that is is because inflammation from the gut particularly is a driver for insulin resistance mm. and leptin resistance. Now, for those that aren't um, sure what insulin resistance is, that basically that pancreas needs to produce more and more insulin for your body to respond and take that glucose from your dietary carbs into the cells of your body. So you can use that as energy. When there's higher amounts of insulin being secreted because you're not responding to it very well, then that directly correlates with inflammation production. And when there's insulin resistance, there's also leptin resistance, which is leptin's that hormone that tells you that you're full. Mm. So if you're leptin resistance, you're going to be hungry all the time. And the more that you eat, the more inflammation you're going to produce as well. Um, And ghrelin is kicked in when there's inflammation production and ghrelin's that hormone that makes you feel hungry. Um, on top of that, so though the insulin resistance, leptin resistance um, leads to more fat gain in the body and then that visceral fat particularly leads to more inflammation. So it's that, that real vicious circle. I was just um, about to say absolutely yeah. a vicious cycle. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And um, insulin resistance also encourages the um, ER alpha receptor activity, which means that when estrogen binds to that, it particularly creates an increased growth signaling and um, that's actually strongly linked with, with cancer as well. But um, ER beta receptor, on the other hand, is anti-proliferative and it positively encourages detoxification. So in being having less insulin or, sorry, having less inflammation and being responsive to your insulin will reduce that ER alpha um, receptor activity, which is what we're aiming for. And also looking at um, some other hormones um, with inflammation, it can cause DHEA, which is a really important adrenal hormone, can get converted in into estrogen. And estrogen can drive inflammation as well, which I'm sure we'll chat about later. 
Um, but the inflammation in the gut also contributes to an enzyme activity which is called beta-glucuronidase, um, which basically contributes to recycling of hormones like estrogen and testosterone and particularly the, the potent testosterone called DHT. So then you develop this sort of dominance of those hormones in the body. So there's a lot of ways that it can inflammation can upset hormones and um you know, we need to look at that gut health first. Yeah, that's a really um, great way of explaining it, though. So thank you to set the scene there. So we'll we'll start back at the top with um, priority number one, which is gut health. So give yeah. us just a, a quick summary as to why you think we're seeing such a dysbiotic or dysbiotic world in terms of gut health. Like what are some of the sort of reasons as to why we might um, have poor gut health? Mm, yeah, well, the, the microbiome plays such a massive role and it mm. actually can switch on these genes that contributes to estrogen recycling in the body, um, so that beta-glucuronidase activity that I mentioned. Um, so we've always had these genes, but what what is contributing to them being switched on and that's where, you know, these things that are disrupting our microbiome need to be addressed. So as a naturopath, um you know, main areas like um, increased use of antibiotics is obviously one that's going to wipe out our good, good bacteria. Um, but also looking at medications like proton pump inhibitors, um, they can reduce our stomach acid and you need nice strong stomach acid to encourage healthy digestion and, and that flow on effect of the healthy microbiome. Um, the oral contraceptive pill, as, as I mentioned, that's something that I've been on in the past and it certainly upset, upset my gut health. It acts as an antibiotic in the gut. We need to understand that. And it does also increase insulin sensitivity. It decreases our nutrient uptake um, and particularly the pill can link to um, magnesium deficiency and when magnesium is deficient then we're going to be switching on that um, enzyme activity called beta-glucuronidase which causes that recycling of estrogen in the body so we need to make sure we're getting our, um, you know, our nutrients are, uh, in good levels through our foods but we need to look at what's also impacting those um, uh, competing in the body so the pill can do that and Foods that are laced with glyphosate, so the, the main ingredient in Roundup, it's it is it well it was patented before it came out as a herbicide. It was an antibiotic. Um, so same thing, it's wiping out our good bacteria. It affects our cytochrome P450 enzymes, um, which are really important for that estrogen metabolism. It um, creates it in deficiencies in selenium, which we need for our thyroid health and lots of other hormones, and it impacts our sulfur. Um, intake in the body and sulfur is very important for that phase two in the liver mm. um, healthy detoxification and it's actually as xenoestrogen itself so it basically mimics so it has the ability to bind to an estrogen receptor in the body and, and mimic that estrogen estrogenic activity um, and then there's high fructose containing foods so i'm sure you've touched on on this topic before steph but they um, those foods that are higher in fructose can put strain on the liver and increase that um, insulin um, resistance in the body and therefore the inflammation um, going right back to birth you know increased c-section rates and lack of um, breastfeeding uh, I don't want to want um, women to stress out too much that can't you know I'm, mm. I'm sure they do everything they can but you can do things after that if that that's the start that your baby's had in life but just being aware that that does um, play a role in in, in impacted uh, microbiome and xenoestrogen exposure otherwise. So we need to understand it's, it's not just our foods. 
it's things in our environment. So what we're putting on our skin with body care products, so ingredients like parabens and phthalates and fragrances, just that word fragrance uh, can contain over 100 ingredients, um, sodium lauryl sulfate. So they're things we're putting on our skin and they can mimic that estrogen or bind to those estrogen receptors in the body, um, plastics in the environment. So just reducing those where possible. And being aware of where our meat's coming from and whether there's it's um, had exposure to hormones added added into the animal at any stage. So there's some things that I, I, I believe as a naturopath that they're impacting our microbiome and contributing to those genes being switched on that can contribute to that estrogen recycling effect. Yeah, definitely there's a lot that we can potentially be exposed mm-hmm. to. So it highlights the importance of, of a lot of, you know, lifestyle um changes and certainly the awareness of those decisions that are really in your control to make changes mm. with what you're purchasing and what you're consuming and how you're living to, to have a you know a really positive influence on gut health and inflammation and hormone balance yeah absolutely sum that up really well yeah, beautiful yeah. so what about what can we do like what are your tips for um improving leaky gut and mm-hmm. what about um what about fiber as well mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, depending on where where you are in your um, gut healing um, journey. So, if someone is has a really um, compromised gut health, then they may need to actually do a low fiber type diet at the start to help heal that leaky gut. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, gaps or um, looking at low fodmap things like that. But on on a long term scale, we need to make sure we've got that fiber in there through whole foods, nuts, seeds. Um, fruits veggies to make sure that we're having a a regular bowel movement because if we're aiming for a number four bristol stool um, so if you google that later um, at least once a day nice complete bowel movement then that's basically allowed or switching off that beta glucuronidase activity and then you're not going to be recycling that estrogen in, in the body so if we can do something simple as getting in enough fiber each day and that's encouraging that um, regular bowel movement, then we're stopping that recycling. So even once you've processed the estrogens and the hormones through your liver, they head on to the gut, they can then be recycled and that's where we want to make sure we're having that, that daily bowel movement. So fibre does play a big role, but um, as I said, we do need to look at gut healing um, initially if the, the gut's very compromised. So things like, um, you know, bone broths and fermented foods and um, really taking out those inflammatory type foods. So, you know, um, trans fats are a huge one, so refined and heated industrial seed oils, um, sugar. And for most people, gluten, um, you know, contributes to that leakiness of the gut wall. So we want to take out those, um, those big ones um, for everyone. And, you know, I know you've talked about stool testing um, with Kirsty before, so that, that's really something that, you know, most, most patients should, should do to really just understand what's happening with their microbiome from the start, take out a lot of guesswork. Um, and if they are reacting to a lot of foods, even healthy foods, a food intolerance test might be something um, short-term that can provide a bit of info, but it's not the, the long-term solution. So it's just a short-term reducing that inflammation in the gut, um, bringing in foods like ginger and turmeric as well, and I say anti-inflammatory herbs um, for the gut. Um, but, yeah, lots of bone broths and fermented foods are big ones. Yeah, I think that's a really 
again, you know, a nice summary, but I will reiterate it obviously depends on absolutely mm. where you're starting from. Yeah, that's right. Um, we, yes, we have spoken with Kirsty Worth from Culture Wellness about bioscreen testing, which we certainly recommend here at The Natural Nutritionist. Um, that's very comprehensive um, and it is a really great place for someone to start if they really, you know, obviously are experiencing challenges with their gut, which I will also say, you know, aren't necessarily obvious digestive symptoms. Do you want to talk more about your experience with symptoms of poor gut health? Because I think people very much, you know, believe it's only, you know, that they have a bloated tummy or diarrhea Mm. or something like that. Yeah, well, any of these symptoms of mm. um, of a hormonal imbalance, like I mentioned, you know, mm. if there's anything going wrong with the hormones, it's coming back to the gut, and you know, things like anxiety and insomnia and depression, mm-hmm. those low moods, um, issues with you know fluid retention in the body, feeling puffy before mm-hmm. your periods, breast tenderness, breast changes, heavy and painful periods, they can yeah. be. Big- of a estrogen dominant symptoms so um, it doesn't have to be just yeah like you said feeling bloated getting heartburn having irregular bowel movements it, it's looking at things more holistically and everything comes back to the gut so we need to really start there every yeah. time yeah definitely but I think that's an important perspective that people mm. lose sight of because yeah. you know I get a lot of people um, say in a clinic environment when you move on to, to talk about that topic of um, digestion and not everyone's comfortable talking about poos like you and I are and um, they want to sort of rush through that topic. But, it, you know, it is obviously the foundation of, of health and wellness and, and happiness and it, it is something that, you know, we know has this huge flow and effect to every area of the body. So, you know, if anyone is experiencing um, a, a degree of sort of unwellness, then absolutely start with that gut health as, as the foundation. Mm-hmm. So what do you recommend from a fibre point of view outside of the obvious fruits and veggies? Yeah, well, as as a a naturopath, I definitely recommend both like insoluble and soluble fibre. So once again, it really depends where they are in their their Mm -hmm. gut healing journey because a lot of patients can be reacting to nuts and seeds. So Mm -hmm. if they're on an autoimmune autoimmune paleo type diet, um, so I'll bring in, that's where I'll look at some supplements and looking at, um, you know, things like not just the fibre, but looking at things like glutamine and slippery elm to help really soothe the, the inflammation in the gut. Um, but looking at things like simple things like grating an apple and letting it go brown and that creates some pectin, which helps out with the gut. So, you know, fruits and vegetables, obviously, but depending on, on where they're at, then we'll look at nuts and seeds and, and um, then looking at supplements on top of that. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah beautiful. That's, yeah, I think very important for our listeners to take away some of that concept. I mean, you and I have the conversation with, mm-hmm. you know, I guess it's what we live and breathe, but we I don't feel like gut health is mainstream enough yet for people to understand where to start. Mm-hmm. Do you That's find right. that experience though with like the how vogue, you know, kombucha and bone broth yeah, yeah. are? We yeah. almost and forget. Go on. Mm. Yeah, there's so much information out there now. So mm. I, I get, um, yeah, lots, lots of people coming in and getting really confused about where to start. So, you know, if you if you start with cutting out those big ones like 
you know, if you're not already cutting out your trans fats and your sugar and, you know, limiting gluten, then that's a very good starting point. But from there, it is very individual. So that's where, you know, seeing a practitioner and getting some testing done, it takes out so much guesswork. Mm. Um, But bringing in some fermented foods and bone broth, that's going to be something that everyone can do um, as long as you're not reacting with histamines. But, Mm. um, yeah, certainly getting the guidance of a practitioner takes out so much guesswork and it it makes it, you know, an easier process as well. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. So let's um, jump back into the, that liver conversation and how obviously it starts with gut health, but then supporting your liver to prevent that recycling of estrogen. Mm -hmm. Are you seeing a lot of estrogen dominance and, um, What's the connection there with regards to um, inflammation and gut health and, and, and anything else you wanted to add that we can do? Yeah, so estrogen, it, it is in itself, it creates inflammation itself when it becomes mm. dominant. So estrogen levels can go up in your body either if you're producing too much or you're not metabolizing them or excreting them from the body and usually it's that you know you're not excreting them properly and and on top of that we're being exposed to these xenoestrogens um, there's three types of estrogens in the body there's e1 which is estrone e2 estradiol and e3 which is estriol and of those three estradiol or the e2 is the most dominant and it's actually proliferative type so it actually promotes growth of the tissues in the body so when we look at symptoms of estrogen dominance the two main ones i want to really look at is the heavy and painful periods because basically when estrogen's in that dominant state that that circulating estrogen exerts effects on target tissues which are you know breast and uterine tissue and that stimulates the inflammation in those areas and can contribute to the abnormal cell growth and um, proliferation so when we're looking at uterine tissue that inflammation in, in conditions of you know fibroids and endometriosis will contribute to the heavy and painful periods um, you know more chronic levels can contribute to dysplasias of the cancer and cervix um, cancer of the cervix and breast so we need to make sure that we're really you know encouraging that that gut health the liver health so we're excreting that estrogen properly but at the same time limiting those exposures to the xenoestrogens because that can have you know really um it impacts uh, our cycles, but um, you know, as you can, as I mentioned, in the long term, um, things like contributing to conditions like endometriosis and fibroids as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I think again, it's important to to test for you know those some mm-hmm. of the symptoms are. I also think that they are quite lumped in that PMS, which is not normal but people it's very very easy for a woman to kind of assume that's just part of her menstrual cycle Mm. whereas testing to identify that dominance is really important because of that significant flow on effect Mm. especially for you know long-term health yeah i just seen those one to two weeks before your period the breast tenderness the fluid retention tiredness moodiness Mm. irritability headaches cravings it's not we know we assume it's normal but it it's really an, an indication that there's some imbalances going on. So, yeah, don't just accept it. You can do something about it. Yeah, it is possible to have a normal menstrual cycle with minimal symptoms. It absolutely is. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Cool. So before we talk about your amazing book, give us mm-hmm. your top seven factors to take into account when balancing hormones, just as a nice summary for everyone. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, sure. Like always look at the inflammation first. So balancing those blood sugars and the insulin um, sensitivity in the body. So just something easy that everyone can, can look at with their diet, just making sure that they're having some kind of form of protein and good fats with, you know, if they're just doing those two main meals or maybe three main meals a day. Um, so making sure they've got those in to keep the blood sugars more balanced. And I'm sure you've talked about this as mm. well, but the longer fasting time overnight, it's really important yeah. uh, to keep our body responsive to that insulin. Uh, we want to control that inflammation through our food. So I've mentioned all about the, the trans fats and the sugar and the gluten. We want to limit those. Um, consider the testing like we, we mentioned about the stool testing. Um, and bringing in those foods that can help heal the gut inflammation, so the broths, the fermented foods, the anti-inflammatory foods like ginger and turmeric. Uh, we want to, where we can, where it's in our control, we want to reduce toxin exposure. So going organic where possible, using natural body care products on our skin, so staying away from the parabens and the phthalates and the sodium lauryl sulfate. Mm -hmm. But bringing indoor plants into our home and work environment because they're really helpful to, to clean the air. Um, they look really nice as well. So that's a really um, good tip there to bring in plants. Um, and also look at if you have amalgam fillings, um, look at, at seeing a holistic dentist to, um, you know, look at possibly getting those removed because they will be off-gassing mercury in, in your mouth. Um, encouraging healthy detox so you know we can do so much to, to limit the exposure but we also want to make sure that our body is detoxing properly naturally so making sure that we've got that fiber through our whole foods in our diet but particularly the cruciferous so the cruciferous vegetables are our broccoli our cauliflower our brussels sprouts our cabbage kale but slightly cooking them because if you, mm. you don't cook them and have them regularly raw, then that can start to impact the thyroid. Mm -hmm. So we want to steam or stir fry those cruciferous um, and that helps out the, particularly with the liver health for the healthy um, estrogen levels. Um, if you do juicing, just make sure that you're really limiting the fruit in there, but there's helpful recipes with lemon and beetroot that can help particularly target the liver um, cleansing. Uh, so fermented foods we've talked about, movement making sure you're sweating do things like dry body brushing or infrared saunas things that help to to you to sweat out the toxins as well um if um, you're really suffering with um, painful periods i really find that um, castor oil packs between periods are a really good way of helping the liver to detox as well um, and perhaps depending on where you're at in your journey coffee enemas are, are another one that we can bring in uh, we want to build resilience to stress because we haven't talked much about stress today, but um, stress impacts all of the hormones and particularly the adrenal gland health. And when that's frazzled, then a lot of the other um, hormones will suffer. So just bringing in the biggest one that I, I like to talk about is just bringing in more enjoyment into your life. We want to be able to smile and laugh and that's what life's about. So we can do lots of things to reduce our stress like meditation and journaling and, you know, deep breathing, things like that. But just make sure that you're smiling at the end of the day as well. Uh, we want to promote restful sleep because that's when we recalibrate at night. Now, um, blue light blocking sunglasses is a great one um, for you know wearing even through the day or at night, particularly before bed if you have to be up on your um, devices. But the other one is the other time of day in the morning, make sure you go out and see the sun. Mm. So a lot of us go, you know, get ready, go straight to the car, wear our sunglasses on the way to work. Well, then we're not getting that sun exposure that we need to help 
um, you know, normalize our circadian rhythm and help that sleep-wake cycle and give us energy throughout the day when we need it. So that's the other other one that I want um, people to be aware of is seeing the sun um, and just understanding that it's nourishing your body, not just about the diet, but from basically the outside in and the inside out. So when we balance our hormones, it's important to take that holistic approach and that it supports you both both from those levels and that's really important for for looking at, at um, nourishing our body and our gut health and our liver health and and um, you know working towards those balanced hormone levels amazing yeah I love that and definitely the vitamin d1 you know I think mm-hmm. unfortunately in Australia that slip slop slap message is yeah. ta- being taken a little bit too far and you know of course it's important to um, not get sunburnt and so on, but the exposure to vitamin D is obviously where we can get um, adequate levels, which is huge mm. for switching on, you know, thousands of genes in the body and definitely controlling our circadian rhythm, which manages our appetite and our our chronic disease risk prevention. Yeah. yeah, and, and we're seeing it through testing. Like most mm. patients that come in the door are vitamin D deficient, mm-hmm. so we're obviously not getting enough of that sun. Yeah, and can I just say, blue blockers have changed my life. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm on the computer way too late at night and I work in a very bright, um, mm-hmm. brightly lit space. So um, just minimising that exposure, especially after sunset where mm, you, right. the blue light obviously tells your body it's daytime um, mm. when in fact it's not, that makes a huge difference to, to hormones and that beautiful flow-on effect to sleep and Yeah, and so getting... On. Mm. getting getting off to sleep but staying asleep as well I've got a lot of patients that wear them and they say they're not waking up at that 3 a.m mm-hmm. anymore so yeah really consider those those blue light sunglasses blockers. yeah absolutely mm-hmm. amazing and then finally I'd love to hear more about your book and share with our listeners you know what it's all about and where they can find out more sure yeah well I bringing all of this information together over the years um, in clinics, seeing a lot of patients with these hormone imbalance symptoms. And I yeah, decided to put it all down on paper and basically just go through um, so people understand what's happening with their hormones, what the roles are in the body, what happens when they're imbalanced, what's causing that, what mm. testing you can do, and, and lastly, of course, what you can do about it to rebalance your body, but looking at it from that holistic view and not just saying you've got low estrogen, this is what you need to do, but that holistic approach. So, mm. yeah, you can find out all the details across it, caseywilsonnd.com. That's Casey with a K and Wilson with double L. Um, and yeah, you can get in touch, but um, that's that's where you can find out all the details on my blog. There's a link to that as well on that that page. Beautiful. Well, you're such a wealth of knowledge, and you also have an amazing way of explaining it. So it's really practical as well, which I think is really important. So our listeners have some actionable takeaways to implement in their life. That's um, right. I'd love to talk with you um, about stress next time, I think. We'll have to yeah. get you back on for round two. But <laughs> thanks so yes. much for discussing this topic with us today. Oh, thanks, Steph. Have a great day. Beautiful. Take care. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.